0: Hey everyone, we are back for Season 6 of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buksev, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Greetings, everyone. I hope you're all enjoying the spring holidays, breaks, and weather. It's looking beautiful here in New York. And today, I'm interviewing the beautiful and brilliant Janan Sarwar and we cover a variety of topics about how she went from pharmacy to publishing entrepreneur, as well as some basic health coaching that was instrumental in her health journey. Janan is a dynamic entrepreneur, pharmacist, publishing professional, and mother of three lovely girls in Louisville, Kentucky. She's the founder of the company Global Bookshelves International, an independent publishing house focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion in content and voices from around the world. Global Bookshelves International was inspired by her eldest daughter, Lena, and her children's storytelling podcast, Salam Storytime. Janan actively serves as a medical content writer, pharmacy career coach, and publisher. She's passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion, speaking, writing, and connecting with others on these topics. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me today an esteemed guest. Her name is Janan Sarwar, and she's a publisher, pharmacist, and mother. So welcome to
1: the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Marina. It's my absolute
0: pleasure. I've been following your work, and I saw you recently at the Your Financial Pharmacist Summit, And I really enjoyed the talk that you had there and everything that you shared and your mission, you know, really resonated. So I definitely wanted to have you on and I would love to ask you this question that I ask all my guests, which is really, you know, your journey from, you know, your childhood, how you were brought up and what made you choose pharmacy in the first
1: place? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. It's an honor to be here and to share my story. I was born and raised in Tennessee. My parents are from Bangladesh and I've enjoyed my life in the South. I've also lived in various locations like North Carolina, which is where I ended up going to pharmacy school at UNC. And I lived in DC area and I currently live in Louisville, Kentucky. And my pharmacy career is quite non-traditional. As you mentioned, I'm a publisher and a pharmacist. I consider myself equally part of both. And of course, a mother as well. That that happened about seven years ago. My eldest daughter is seven. But the reason I chose pharmacy, like many others, I'm sure, and I've heard several amazing episodes of your show, wanting to help others, wanting to find a way to give back. Healthcare seems like a great way to do it. And I have that influence from both of my parents. My my mother is a in Bangladesh, went to medical school. My father is an engineer. And so STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, that was really emphasized to me growing up. I'm guessing for many others and, and you as well, being in being a pharmacist. At the same time, I've always been passionate about the creative side of life. Arts creating things, photography, those are some of my hobbies, reading books, as you see behind me, the colorful ones are my daughter's books. The ones on the top, I'll tell you about in a moment, are the books that relate to my pharmacy career that I had for about seven years, but specifically pharmacy to help others. And I also, during undergrad, I was actually pre-med and pre- I was in biomedical engineering courses, trying to be biome- doing that for my undergraduate degree. But one day I got really sick and I had to go to the student health services. And they had no idea what was wrong because I was getting these this rash all over my arms. I had a really extremely high fever. And they sent me to the emergency room, essentially, to t- get taken care of. And my roommates called my parents. I was I went to undergrad at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. My parents came and actually took me home to go to Vanderbilt because that's closer to where my parents live. They still live in Tennessee. And it turns out that I nearly had basically kind of like an SJS, Stevens-Johnson syndrome drug reaction to Bactrim. I was taking a uh, Bactrim for some non-existent dermatologic acne that I didn't really have, but my father and I both have a sulfa allergy and something triggered it. I'd been taking the medication for a month, but something else triggered the drug reaction. And I was in the intensive care unit for a good two weeks and I stepped down. Um, It was, it was pretty scary, honestly. And I remember thinking, not being able to really communicate, hearing things being said by the physicians, by people who were visiting, wow, I really need to understand more about drugs and how they work and how they interact. So that really solidified my choice to go into pharmacy school. So that's what I chose getting into pharmacy. Actually, I worked at a Walmart pharmacy through undergrad um, right after I came out and recovered from that episode. It was actually some steroids that helped take care of me, some corticosteroids that get me back to health so that I could become better. The interesting thing that happened is that I essentially learned that anytime I worked in the pharmacy setting, like in Walmart, my eyes would turn red. And I'm guessing no one really found out. I have not been in a that kind of a setting for years. But it's because perhaps because of the sulfa. Sulfas in a lot of medications.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I I I knew what, even though I got into pharmacy school and I worked in pharmacy. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew it would be something non-traditional. And so that's the kind of start to my journey of why pharmacy? And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more as through your questions about um, more about my path, but I don't wanna keep talking. I wanna let you ask and we can yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I
0: appreciate everything you've shared thus far. And that's certainly fascinating. And I don't think enough people are aware that, you know, such common, you know, mundane things like an antibiotic that you think is actually one of the best drugs, right? Because you take it to get rid of an infection and it's self-limiting usually, like you take it for a limited amount of time. You don't have to be on it for a chronic disease usually. Um, And so it's, it's one thing that we like to use for different kinds of bugs, right. And, um, and help our lives, right. And help our immune systems to fight things off. And um, nowadays, I feel like with Corona, everybody's more aware of bugs and viruses and what's out there and, you know, natural immunity versus like, what can we do to support it versus like vaccines versus antibiotics and antivirals. So I feel sometimes that we're, like, back in the old ages now with all these bugs because these were the diseases that plagued us in the past, but they're still around, and, you know, our evolution with them and our immune systems, um, they do have to be exposed to it to some extent in order for us to fight it. So there's this delicate scale and balance. But what I wanted to say is that not everybody that I speak to – you know, has this kind of story, this almost negative story, right, of a negative experience with a drug. Um, And that's what actually made you pursue learning more about this, because you I presumably wanted to avoid these kind of reactions in your patients.
1: Yes, yes, that's exactly right. And, you know, I think you're absolutely spot on about, you know, the thought of antimicrobial resistance and the next pandemic that could happen due to that because of not just what we do here in America, but other countries or other people that don't have that knowledge of that balance that you were speaking about. It's so fascinating and also terrifying when you really think about it, because the world, just like we learned with coronavirus, you can't contain these things. So if there are issues and it's happening in different regions, we can't contain it. This can this can be a, a global thing. But anyway, we can keep it light and <laughs> to say that I'm, you're right. It, it was, it's very, absolutely a reason why I thought pharmacy is interesting. But it also made me realize that I think, well, so, I mean, you're the holistic pharmacist, you're a holistic pharmacist, and we're speaking about this. I do believe I'm one of those pharmacists that love the concept of functional medicine and these concepts that. Everything that you're putting in may fix one thing, but it's altering another. So again, it's about balance, right? We need to be mindful of anything that we're consuming, anything we're exposing ourselves to, whether it's dermatological on the surface or you're actually taking it or you're exposing yourself, It's all it all impacts us. So very important to really reflect and think about that as well. Yeah.
0: And something else that you pointed out was that you were on this medication for a month before there was a reaction. Yes, So there was that additional stressor or trigger that actually, you know, created the disbalance. And so even though you're the person with an allergy, other factors influence, you know, how this allergy presents, if yes. you have other things going on or other things in your environment or other stressors or whatever it is, like there's just a multitude of factors besides just the input and the output.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what it was? I had an organic chemistry and biology test and some math test all in the same week. Wow. And that the drug reaction, like everything happened. It was that was the stress. trigger. It was the stress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in other words, stress.
0: But yeah, I think it's just fascinating to understand that, wow, we have so much science and so much knowledge and, you know, so much evidence-based modalities that inform our decisions and our medicine, but realizing that the human is still such a fragile being and, you know, yes. these things that are either more esoteric, right, like you can't really quantify the stress. And then also the things that we're actually putting into our system and our body are, And and the bugs that are still all around us and inside of us, they can really throw us off balance, which is really fascinating. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I also wanted to comment about your books. I saw right away when we started this meeting that they were so beautifully arranged and I've seen that kind of color pattern in the past. So that's really, really cool. I love that.
1: Thank you. You know, this is my girl's system. My daughters are three, five, and seven, and colors are how they recognize things. So they help keep it in order. It is kind of a little unorganized right now, but it gets it on the shelf. And we love to read. And that is what I do now, primarily. Although I'm a pharmacist, my main passion and project is in publishing, publishing books for children, as well as books for young adults older adults, uh, related to healthcare, health equity, memoirs, all sorts of things. I have big dreams, and it's very fun to actually be able to live what I feel is my purpose and still feel that I'm a pharmacist. I use my meticulous organizational skills and knowledge of drugs when it comes to some of the healthcare books that I'm working on. So I'm also just uh, here to say that for anyone listening as you have done yourself in your own career, it's never too late to follow your passion, to follow your heart, and to find a way to integrate it and balance your life so that you are truly living your purpose. So,
0: yeah, I appreciate that, Janan. And as you know, this podcast is all about sharing inspirational and motivational and uplifting stories so that other pharmacists and other people in general just. Um, get some ideas and inspiration, and get to follow some of our footsteps. So I would love to dive into your journey, you know, as a pharmacist or studying to be a pharmacist, and how did you carve out this more non-traditional path for yourself to end up as this distinguished publisher that you were just mentioning? Like, what steps did you take right out of school? What connections did you make? And Really, how did your initial experience with this drug allergy inform some of your choices? Perhaps,
1: yeah. You know, I wish I could tell you that everything was calculated and I had a plan. I look now, and there it is very calculated, and it looked like I had a plan. So, I love being able to share this in my life journey. Um, and I I will share it in the best way possible, but I will say to start the story. None of anything I did would have been possible without the support of people that were mentors in my life. So I had mentors. I had coaches. They were unofficial or officially paid coaches. And then the concept of sponsors, people who dropped my name when I wasn't in the room and mentioned opportunities or facilitated opportunities for me to get to where I am today. So those are the three key pivotal factors or characters in my story in addition to me. But if I looked back on my journey, I would tell you that I went to pharmacy school with that intention of, okay, I'm going to figure out what drug interactions, how that works, how could something like that happen to someone like me, and how can I prevent that for others? And of course, I did learn more and more about that along the way, but I also learned that what was my true relationship With pharmacy and being a pharmacist? What was that vision for me? And so as I shared, I learned early on that I wanted to be more of an academic or more of someone that was a little far removed from the patient care just because of my uncomfort or discomfort in the clinical setting or with patients personally. So knowing that and knowing what I liked and disliked, it was more of what I knew I did not want to do and more of knowing that working in a pharmacy setting gave me allergic response. So those ruled out a lot of things. I was in pharmacy school pretty much realizing I'm allergic to my profession. What do I do? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, and here I am, you know, I went to UNC, my parents, I love them. They helped me through school support, and I was an out-of-state student when I started. I became a resident later, but it was an expensive journey, right, to just think that, oh, gosh, you're you're yeah. making a decision for your life that, you know, you may not get to practice in. What are you going to do? But I will say one thread that has always helped me throughout my journey, even to today when I'm doing the farthest possible thing from pharmacy, which is book publishing, I still do, and that's follow my heart. I use my brain, but I follow my heart. And so suffice it to say, my journey, when I started to realize in pharmacy school that, okay, in order to succeed, there are all these, there are roadmaps that are already there, right? That, okay, if you're going to want to do some sort of residency or training or postgraduate training after, you need to be prepared for that. You need to do things such as find a mentor or research or be involved in student organizations, right? All the list of things that they say, they, you know, that are said that you should do. I looked at that list and I thought, okay, of all of these, what are things that I actually can do or do I want to do? And upon reflecting, I realized, you know, there's opportunities if I have my close classmate friends in being involved in the student organizations, being an officer of these organizations, once again, I looked at what I knew my strengths were, so I paused and I thought, okay, I may not be clinically advanced or I may not be really good at doing this direct patient care work, but I can still be in that setting and use my strengths that are photography, a passion I mentioned at the beginning. I can photograph. I'm good at writing. So what I did is I I chose to be the webmaster of different student organizations when there were opportunities to apply or the historian someone to document with photos or someone that is going to work with the advisors so that are other faculty to go and create reports about how did these student organizations do so we could go and apply for awards or apply for grants apply for things so i started learning these skills of writing or merging my skills of photographing and documenting things from that time during pharmacy school. And I had mentors to kind of say, oh, I would change that. I would edit that. Oh, you should include this. If you do this, this will look great. So those skills, again, no, I didn't even know it. But if you hear the way I'm describing it, those were underlying things that helped me later along my journey. Another thing that I did was really, when I found a mentor or found a professor or found someone out there that was doing something that I really admired, I talked to them. I, I learned about what they did to get there. That's mentorship. They're going to tell you their journey. It doesn't mean it's going to be your journey. A mentor doesn't necessarily map it out like a coach would. A coach can help you literally tell you here are the steps and here's what you can do to get this particular goal. The mentor's we're just happy to have someone really excited to, to hear or be interested in them. I found that along the way. And I've now served as a mentor for others. And I can really say that it does make you happy when there's someone sitting across from you, whether it's in a Zoom room or in real life saying, that's so cool what you're doing, Janan. I want to hear about your journey. It It's reflective, but it's also exciting because you can impact someone else's journey. So Those are how mentors supported me. The sponsors were often mentors turned sponsors that learned about certain skills that I had. So the pivotal moment in which I really solidified this publishing path that I went into, in addition to the grant writing and documenting documenting I did uh, when I was a student pharmacist, I actually got a a fellowship, a fellowship that was created for me by some professors that knew that I was a student that did well throughout pharmacy school, that really loved taking notes, that really found a way to bring to life the content. They hired me to be a fellow in educational technology research and development, a fellowship program they developed. I was the first person that did that at UNC. And they thought of me for the position, but it was something that has continued since. They needed a pharmacist or a PharmD that had experience in the curriculum to help them transform the curriculum to be a little more interactive or to be a little more online, to be a little more so that you're not just sitting in the classroom passively learning, so that you have more interactive so you can apply the learning. That experience and the fellowship that I did, so I did a fellowship upon graduation That was really, really interesting. I got to interface with more people that would end up serving as mentors in different capacities. I got to interact with people that were graphic designers, computer programmers, instructional designers. Again, really inspirational people to me that still serve as friends or colleagues in some capacity that I've been in touch with along my journey in different ways just because I thought what they were doing is cool and I wanted to learn how I could learn and adapt and apply all of that to what I cared about or the degree I had in pharmacy. So all of these people gave me kind of a piece of the puzzle that I was building without realizing it of, wow, I have these tools that I'm adding to my toolkit, these puzzle pieces that are coming together to show that I have skills in writing that not most pharmacists work on. They have writing skills, all pharmacists. We had to write. We had to write soap notes. We had to read a lot. I love to read. A lot of those are things that I had to practice. Those things coupled with, again, really good timing. When I finished that fellowship, once again, I actually was thinking that I would end up working and hopefully working in a school of pharmacy or that particular school where I did the fellowship. Unfortunately, they did not need a position like mine at the time. They had more fellows that could do the work. So I had to go back to the drawing board and I started applying for different positions where I could use the skills that I learned in my fellowship, maybe in a pharmaceutical industry. I even applied at pharmacy technician programs and said, hey, I could help make your curriculum. I know how to write, I know how to create educational technology solutions, hire me. I was either too expensive or not the position that anyone needed. Again, it's easy to think these closed doors are the end of something. I kept trying. And I was at the right place in the right time when another mentor of mine from pharmacy school kind of acted as a sponsor and said, Janan, I know the perfect opportunity for you. I just came back from the American Pharmacists Association annual meeting. They're looking for a pharmacist, someone with a PharmD with experience in educational technology. I wish I was making this up. I, I'm not. It's. It's. I'm pretty sure I don't know how many people in the world at that time had an actual fellow program or experience. A lot of people have experience in ed tech. But the fact that I had just been finishing that and it was just divine intervention that that came on my lap. Yeah.
0: Hallelujah.
1: hallelujah. (laughs) I applied. The rest is history. I worked at the American Pharmacists Association for seven years in the book publishing department. That's really where my journey, you know, the little seeds that were planted before, but then I they all blossomed. When I was editing, I was working and I got promoted along the way. I started as someone that was the person that would do acquisition, meaning acquiring or meeting, finding authors that could write chapters or books that we were already going to write. Then, because I loved to read and I read all the books that APHA published because of my job, I started talking to my then mentor that was the senior publisher at the time, talking to him about how do we get more books here? How can we get stuff about health equity or cultural competency or Spanish or different languages? I want, we need more books like that. So suddenly I got promoted within my job at APHA a few years in where I got to do more things and I learned about different aspects of publishing. And then that mentor of mine retired. And a few years later, I got that position. So that's where I, through my journey, and that was seven years and I published around 40 books over that time period. I didn't myself, but I was involved in the publication. That's those books up there. Wow. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about different subjects that I never imagined. I learned about interacting with people. I learned about print, printing and editing and paper and, you know, shipping and things that you don't think that a pharmacist needs to know, but you can, and you can Learn from any experience and try to apply it, whether it's to what you're doing right now or try to make those transferable skills mm. and take them somewhere else. Because it was actually around the pandemic, right, in 2020 and then 2021 when pandemic was still not over. I started to do a lot of self-reflection on my life because I mentioned the colorful books that I have behind me are my children's. I had three young girls. Pandemic time. Pandemic time non-traditional instruction. And I looked around and this is where the holistic part of my journey, I start looking at my life holistically. Right. And it's that this moment where I did an activity called the wheel of life or circle of life or wheel of life exercise, where you have to take what you think are the eight most eight or how many ever you like, but I like to say eight most important areas of my life. For me, and I'd love to know what yours are, but for me, I would name the top few for you all. It would be my faith, my career, my family, this is in no particular order, my family life, my own health, my you know friendships, and my family. I think I've mentioned family twice, but maybe the, the inner family and then the extended family. Right. Those are of my top community community. And I did I'm going to ask you about yours, but I will just say I reviewed and I felt that I was doing perfectly on many of the areas. But when I really was honest with myself and I looked at my health and then I divided my health because I could not give myself a good score on my health and I thought maybe maybe if I divide health into sleep and into, you know, my diet, and then into my exercise. Maybe that'll be better. No, it was worse, because my scores were even lower when I divided into those three. I was taking care of everything else, the world, my work, the books, and all of that. But for myself, I was not. I was eating junk food, because it was the only thing I could grab between taking care, but I was cooking my kids the organic. I was giving them everything. (laughs) We were going to Whole Foods. I was just eating the stuff, the candy bars that they have, you know, just to make it through to the next thing. And I'm not even a retail pharmacist, right? I'm not talking about, but I felt those signs and symptoms of burnout, not to blame my career or my job. I blame myself. I just wasn't paying attention. Life was happening and I wasn't paying attention. So that was my big aha moment. But I'd love to pause and and know more about you and what what areas do you reflect on when you do that exercise and activity?
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. That was the first thing I learned when I trained as a health coach was yeah. that wheel of life exercise. Yes. And yeah, to be honest, there's lots of those activities out there and yeah. have different areas to focus on. And yes. great. And you basically would draw it out on a piece of paper here and yeah, I show the audience so you would you would you know draw the you know eight things or so or some people have more or less and then you mm-hmm. would you would kind of rate where it is out of 10 and 10 would be the circle and then you would just con- kind of connect it and sometimes it looks like this so you'll see okay this small area is where there's a problem because i'm not anywhere near you know that top 10 um, so as you were speaking, I was actually reflecting on what my eight are and they're pretty similar to what you mentioned. So, um, uh, mine are health, family, spirit, community, purpose, career, creativity, and finances. Yeah. So yeah, they're not in any particular order either, but, um, those are pretty important to me. And the first thing I thought it was actually purpose. So, um, Beautiful. So yeah, I think everybody would really benefit if you want to pause this podcast right now or do this, you know, if you're driving or something like this, pause it later and uh, really understand what's important to you, list your eight priorities, or, you know, if you want to put in more or less, that's up to you and create your own wheel of life and Understand which area needs to be nourished a little bit more. Which area is your strength? Because we were talking about strengths before, so you want to lean into those strengths, but then you also want to understand what's missing. Um, And these eight things, like we said, could uh, be different for you. So yes, you you deem important.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for. I'm I'm glad we're sharing this with everyone. It was. It remains being one of the most helpful exercises for me to just check in with myself because it's so easy when we hyper focus on our goals because we have them and we should and a lot of times it's career related or we're trying to get to this one thing that you can forget and when you hyper focus or you're it's not even about hyper focusing we're balancing a lot eight things are a lot of things to keep track of And this exercise is one I personally, because I mean, I just turned to my side and I found one, you know, beside me that I had, I try to be very honest when I reflect and it's actually okay if you have a score that's low, right? When you have that jagged score, because it sometimes tells you, okay, the things that are 10 out of 10, maybe you don't need to pay attention to that for a little while. Like you can scale back a little because there's only so much energy and time we have. Maybe some of that energy we're putting towards our friends or putting towards, I love that you have creativity for one of them. Maybe you have a really low creativity spell, but you're really doing well in some other area. It can deserve some, you know, shifting and balancing or rebalancing to to reflect. So I love that. So thanks for allowing us to share that with everyone. Yeah, your circle looks
0: a lot neater.
1: No, (laughs) no, no. Yeah, but, I, I had a plate or something to, to trace before. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I love what you're saying about, you know, there's also different seasons of life. So sometimes yes. it's okay to recognize that, okay, at this point in my life, my family, you know, or my relationship with my partner or my finances, maybe this is what I'm really focused on right now. And yes. it's okay for me to like, you know, take a little slack in the other areas that are already doing well and really hyper-focus on these things because this is what's most important right now. And these priorities will change, which is why it's good to do this exercise often, like you were saying, and kind of just check in, you know, okay, well, what needs nourishing now and supporting those areas? And, you know, when you were saying about, um, you know, constantly Uh, going into one area or another area, it's not about like judging yourself. And once you hone in, like, okay, my health is suffering, you could break that up into other areas, like time in nature, uh, you know, the food that you eat, um, like you said, the sleep and the exercise, like that has a whole lot of facets just in that one category. So you can just, you know, get as creative and dive as deep as you like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was this reflection that exactly caused me when I realized I was so low in my own health. I was pre-diabetic. I was avoiding going to the doctor because I knew. I was avoiding looking in mirrors because I knew. I was wearing elastic clothes because I knew. And again, it's just it's obvious I knew what happened. I knew why it happened. I wasn't taking care. I wasn't mindful of what I was eating and doing because I was focused on other areas. I didn't beat myself up about it, but I did say, I did realize also that I couldn't do it alone at that time. So I hired a health coach. I actually did. I hired a health coach to help me. I hired, uh, I went and that's actually how I started. I also work for a company called the happy farm D which does career counseling or career coaching for people. I was almost searching for career guidance myself, but I ended up happening up to find them. And they said, wow, Janan, you know, how many pharmacists can say that they've published all of these books? You know, that's it's kind of rare. Uh, so if you want to rebalance your life and you want more balance and focus, why don't you try to become a coach? That That's a way you'll have some income. And then maybe you can – See where else you want to work if that's not the career you want. You know, what's your goal? What is your real goal? And I realized for the first time I had not paused to think of my goal. I thought I was just going to work somewhere forever because that's what you're supposed to do. And that's the point of reflecting. We don't reflect enough, I've realized. I, I did not. I never reflected enough. And it's been in those moments of peace where I find clarity of what are my visions, What is the vision that I have? What's my mission? How do I get there? And it can be very overwhelming, but a motto that I like to use is progress over perfection. So once again, looking at that wheel, if I were to do it right now again, and I recognize, oh goodness, I have not been spending time, quality time with my spouse is one of them. And he's a pharmacist, he works from home. He's in like a few doors down from me right now. We technically should see each other all the time. We work, we live in the same house, but with three young kids, his schedule and mine, I could honestly say that that is the lowest right now. I could either say, okay, I'm gonna figure it out and change it all, and we're gonna see each other all the time. That's extreme. No one wants that. I don't want that. My husband doesn't <laughs> want that.
0: We're <laughs> gonna we need to a... separate in in the rooms again pretty soon.
1: <laughs> pretty soon. No, you know, we can get along, but. Trying to go a, a mistake we often make. Or if I looked at my health and said, I'm at a zero, I got a health coach and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it figure it out all out in one month. That's extreme, right? And we often try to do that. We rate ourselves and we beat ourselves up, or we don't beat ourselves up. We just say, Okay, I want to really improve this. So then the hyper focus goes on that low area. And we have these unrealistic expectations. And that often leads to failure too, right? Because you put all this effort and hope and expectation. So that's where the progress over perfection, what I've learned in everything and how I've been able to get to where I am today in balancing and publishing books and creating my own company is really this. When I do look back, and we're gonna keep talking about that wheel. If, for example, today I said my my spouse area is low it's low on the scale what's one thing i can do just one one small thing right one small amount of progress i can make that can make this better for the next for the entire week not saying you know extreme but what's one small change i can make and sometimes i have to say if i'm going to make that one change what do i have to in something else i'm doing because you know my plate is full our plates are full our schedules are packed our meetings go from one to another often, right? In this busy life we lead. Kids and picking them up and all the things that we do, all the things we balance. So I have to trade something off in order to make that one bit of progress. And it could be from my my own chunk or it could be from somewhere else or it could be seeing where I'm wasting time. Maybe it's social media. <laughs> Maybe it's a thing that I'm doing that's not serving me in any way. Yeah. And taking from that and saying, OK, if I just did complained less about my spouse, I'm kidding. We're, we're good. We're good. But let's just say instead of complaining and having an argument, let's spend that time having a day date together and seeing each other chatting over some coffee. So, um, yeah, that's been my real holistic approach to life is really taking a look at it from this perspective of, you know, being metacognitive, like thinking about the way we think, thinking about what normal is for me. When I often go into spaces, they say, I've heard for pharmacists, you're not a pharmacist, you're publishing. And again, as I, as you heard me kind of defend, no, I still very much find myself a pharmacist and those that practice holistic medicine as well or holistic pharmacy who are saying, look, we're trained and we know about pharmacy, my real prescription for health that my health coach helped me stay on track was being mindful of what I was eating and all I did was cut out the processed stuff. That's all I promise. It was just one promise. I made it easy. One of my favorite books is Atomic Habits if you've mm-hmm. read yeah. by James Clear. <laughs> and I made it really easy. It was just one rule that I had to follow. And believe it or not, I went from an A1C of 5.8 to an A1C of less than five in a year. It took a year. I didn't measure it. I mean, it was when I knew I was pre-diabetic and then I waited a year. I lost weight just because I was mindful and I knew I had a plan for what I was going to eat. Nothing went in my mouth for that for a year. I stuck to this one rule. Nothing processed went into my mouth. And that coupled with cutting on sh- Slowly. I didn't do all this at once, but I also cut out on process, you know, refined sugars and all of those things. I transformed, but I, I didn't extra I didn't add exercise. I couldn't afford to add that to my very full plate yeah. of pandemic children and all of that. But the results that I saw from just that mindful change and actually seeing myself melt away. And, and it's not about the weight, it was about the A1C, about my health that I regained. My sleep, that I was able to sleep better because I was eating good foods. All of that transformed to make me a better version of myself. So the decisions that I made, the choices that I made, and the goals and the vision I had for myself of, yes, one day I want to start my own publishing company. Went to, I started my own publishing company. Went to, I'm speaking to you today. It's going to be the one-year anniversary of my publishing company. And we've been publishing several books, and we have more coming out every month. It's a dream come true. And I want to say that anyone can do it. If you just look at it, your progress over perfection, don't perfect. We, we stop ourselves sometimes when we try to make it perfect before we launch anything or do anything. No, make it easy. Follow your heart, use your brain, and you can do it too. <laughs> wow.
0: Well, I really want to reflect back to you that this is just words of wisdom pouring down right now Uh, because because really life can be simple like you're saying but we make it so complicated and honestly the odds are stacked against us because you know everybody around us makes things complicated and so we feel like we also need to do that and we need to keep up with the joneses and you know instead of thinking about our own wheel we're like well how can i make my wheel look better than you know his or her wheel yeah <laughs> you know? yeah and that's just you know extraneous and there really is an art to keeping it simple because it's not easy even though it's simple it's not necessarily easy because you know there's all this pressure from the outside and um even cutting out processed foods i have to say like that sounds like okay just one rule but it is like complicated in every shopping choice and you know making everything from scratch versus buying something you know ready made and packaged like there's a lot that goes into that one rule so I have to applaud you on that
1: yes and again you're right I just nonchalantly (laughs) dropped that rule it was very that's a little bit intentional to say that to make anything, sorry if my audio has changed by any means, but to make something like that work, I had to take a lot more time than I was doing before. Time that you were mentioning before to cook or to purchase. Where am I buying things from? I I had a rule of what how many ingredients could be in something. You know, that was part of the rule of not process, but yeah, to get back to the basics took a lot of. Time, But that actually, believe it or not, because on my wheel was time with my daughters and time with my spouse, right? I integrated that I found a way to make that work together. So that if we were going to do this, it was a it was a family journey, they were already eating the organic, all that stuff I was doing for them. But it was adding me and my spouse, and being able to do it as a family, teaching them about foods and choices and going even though this was you know during the pandemic that i was making those choices it was easier in a way because we didn't have all that outside noise right the pandemic for some was this time of reflection for to- for some it was a time what they were by themselves for the first time and seeing how much of an outside influence we're letting in and although we're you know we still talk about covid it's not over i think that this is the time that if, if anyone's listening to this or we all have all, we buy all these self-help books and we read all these things about productivity, but you're right. The simplest way, it's the action that you take. Don't read a ton. Pick one thing, pick one book that you like. And we both like atomic habits for one. If, <laughs> yeah. if, if new habits are something that you're trying to do, because it teaches you both how to create good habits, and get rid of bad ones, too, because we need to do both. (laughs) And and making things simple like that, which it's not simple. It takes time. It takes patience. But being very mindful about your decisions and not looking at anyone else's. I loved how you said that. Don't compare your wheel to anyone else, and don't put things on your wheel that anyone else tells you to. It's your choice. What do you find important in your life? And I found that once I'm really set, so now I don't have to – think that hard about my food choices. It's not as hard for me to cook. We have a way, we have a method. My my kids are older now, right? I have two years ago, they were all little. The youngest one was one years old and now she's three. She helps in the kitchen. She knows what to order. And Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because again, these are, we are children and who we are. We reflect what we see. We reflect who's around us. So be mindful also of who you're comparing yourself to or who you're letting in your circle. If we keep talking about circles today, who is in your wheel, who are around you? Hopefully they're people you look up to and not people that drag you down. I hate to say that, but you, you've probably heard this quote uh, or saying before that when you're really making transformational change for yourself, you can lose people, friends that you used to have. Um, But the other thing that I really want another favorite quote, since we're talking about quotes that I want to leave you with is Of course, if you have other questions, I'm happy to answer. But a a quote that I love is by Mark Twain, talking about the two most important days of your life. Have you heard that one? I think I did. So the two most important days are the day you're born. And the second is the day you find out why. Mm, Yeah, I did hear that. The day you find out why your purpose, because at the core of your wheel, at the core of what we're doing, you know, whatever degree you had. Whatever we're floating through life doing, hopefully it's towards something that you're passionate about. Your purpose, as you said, where this, this podcast is all about that. I've Every episode I've learned, the guests that you've had, they really share how they're living their purpose now. And I'm, I'm glad to join the ranks to say that right now, I do feel like Global Bookshelves International, my publishing company, is this combination of what I love to do, reading and editing, and I'm good at doing it too. It's also what I think the world needs. We need more books that reflect the world, which is diverse, which needs to be just just and equitable, and it needs to be inclusive and promote belonging. Those are what each of the books that I help publish stand for. And You know, just this combination of figuring out your life purpose, your icky guy, or, you know, there's so many words for this concept. As Mark Twain says, it's important to know when you're born. It's important to find out why. And then the addendum I'll add is it's important to live that, right? So all the books that you read, read them, learn about them. Knowledge is power, but knowledge is potential power. You have to implement it in as simple of a way as you can, taking one step and then the rest will follow.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love what you're saying. And we definitely have read some of the same books because I'm picking up on on some of the concepts. And what Mm -hmm. you're really saying is like more, we think more is better, right? Like more books, more knowledge. But like you said, we have to take the time and space for integration and application and like like your journey in pharmacy and making the interactive part of it help students learn and experience for themselves like our appies and our hippies right to let us know okay maybe this is not the right setting because I have an, an allergy to my workspace right you have to take those actions, you have to dive into the experience, and you have to do what those books are telling you to do, what your coaches are telling you to do. Otherwise, you will always live in theory, right? But when we are in real life, we have to understand that only our actions will allow us to know and feel and experience any changes,
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. You're exactly right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I want to also reflect that you our conversation so far really cemented the importance of relationships in general and yes. networking and mentorships and coaching and all kinds of relationships, spouses and family, you know, and the world really is. And almost everybody's wheel of life, I would imagine, really um, values relationships And business, you know, having a business or doing anything in life really requires relationships and relies on human interaction and relationships in some sort of way or shape or form. Yes. So that's what I'm also trying to do with this podcast is really that is my way of building relationships and networking and supporting and uplifting, like I was mentioning Um, So I think I I kind of caught that uh, fact of life and that value later on in life. And I don't think I really knew when I was like going to school or um, going to college or even after college, how important and integral this is. But it really is the backbone, I think, of of our mission and our purpose and our business. And, you know, so many things in life. So I think your journey is definitely reflective of the fact that, you need to establish that network you need to tell people what you're doing tell people what you're interested in uh, showcase that so that you have these opportunities in front of you when people know and recognize you for those things that you're passionate about
1: yes even if it feels like you're the fish swimming the other way when a school of fish is going one way right we're told we need to get this residency or you need to get that job that promotion buy that house, have that car. That's what they say, whoever they is. If we keep following that and not recognizing what we internally need or what we want, what we hope for, what our individual goals are, you're going to miss that. And if you follow yourself, you know, you fo- you're that one swimming the wrong way, the wrong way. You're the one that everyone sees. You are the one that's noticed. You are standing out when you're following that path, it's lonely. I will admit it can be. But if you've created and nurtures those relationships that you were talking about, it's not that lonely because people knew you along that way, right? I still can reach back out to the mentors, to the sponsors, to the coaches because they've been a part of my journey. And now you have to just through this conversation because I, you know, again, the way you reached out to me, I love that. I love that you were we, we met through your financial pharmacist, which is really interesting as well. And I love the work they're doing. And it is a small community we have. We're pharmacists and pharmacists can be so we, we I mean, I'm including myself, can be so we look in, within or we're very independent when we need to be, but then we can compare ourselves when we shouldn't. So maybe flipping that a little bit, being okay with, Allowing yourself to be your own measure. And then when you're comparing, it's not about comparing, it's interacting. It's connecting, not comparing.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I love keeping that circle strong. And I was interviewed by Alex Barker in the past too. And I have to yeah. have him on the show too. So you just reminded yes. me of that.
1: Yes, yes. He'd be a wonderful guest. He's he's taught me so much of all that I know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you
0: just have like two minutes left, I would love to throw some rapid fire at you. Oh, yes,
1: I'm ready. I'm ready. Quick, go ahead.
0: All right. So um, thank you so much already for all the advice you've given, because something I ask is for uh, advice for our listeners. And I think there's plenty already in here. So I just want to know, like, what's one step that you took that you think allowed you to have this business and allowed you to feel satisfied with your work?
1: allowing myself to fail. I knew that this was going to be tough. And I would say the rapid answer is be okay with failures and then don't even call them failures. Close doors. Just allow you to be redirected to something else. Love that.
0: What's one thing that
1: you feel like is integral to your self-care routine? Reading, reading and reflecting on what I'm reading. Very important for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, the second integration part is so important. What is your favorite unprocessed homemade food?
1: I love making biryani, but I do it with, so that's an Indian Bengali dish, but I make it with cauliflower rice Ooh. and chicken. So it's it's very non-traditionally made, just like I am, um, <laughs> but it's my favorite thing to make. My kids yeah. like it too, and they think it's real biryani, so
0: amazing yeah i think another theme is like experimentation and having fun just mixing things up and going a little beyond tradition yes
1: yes
0: (laughs) love it well janan it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much for coming on please tell the listeners how they could learn more about you your publishing company how can they see you you know what books are out there and connect with you
1: Yes, you can find me. I'm the only Janan Sarwar. So my name is here below. I'm the only Janan Sarwar. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as globalbookshelves.com and janansarwar.com. Globalbookshelves.com will share all the information about our upcoming books. We have children's books, as I mentioned, memoirs, and books that are being published by fellow pharmacists. So if anyone's interested, feel free to reach out. I love to help other pharmacists in any way I can and support them if they've already written a book as well. Wow.
0: Well, thank you so much. I will put all that information in the show notes, and I really do hope that our listeners will check it out. I will certainly be following your work and thank you again for coming on. Thank you. It was my
1: pleasure. It was very fun.
0: Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.